Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Kirk Driscoll. Kirk is a serial entrepreneur and outdoor enthusiast who builds, buys, or creates companies that provide opportunities for individuals to align their passions with their purpose. Beyond his family and his faith, his true passion in life is helping men struggling with addiction. Kirk founded Vision Warriors Ministry, a faith community that focuses on accountability and transparency. Vision Warriors provides support for men who are ready to fight their drug and alcohol addictions. Kirk, it's an honor to have you here today. It's great to be with you. Thanks for the invite and the opportunity to share uh, my story and what we're doing. So, well, I know that you're extremely passionate about Vision Warriors, and you know. So, backstory: I was trying to think of how long we've known each other, but I can't remember when you and Dina first started dating and when we met. Was it early '90s? I've been '98. We started dating in '98. Well, you're okay. trying to get me in trouble. You're okay. trying to get me in trouble at first. Okay. okay. I think it's 1998. We got married September 11th, 99. So okay. Gotcha. Go. All right. So late 90s then. So I was in college at the time. Y'all started dating. Now you've got a beautiful family and y'all been married for how many years now? Over 20. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we've known each other for that long. Both of us have grown significantly over that time, and it's been awesome to see what the Lord has done in your life. I've had radical change in my life, and it's uh, so it's a lot of fun to see you shift from you know a successful business guy to you know what you're doing now. Still a successful business guy, but now Vision Warriors is more of your passion and your heart, and and really what. You know, outside again of your family and your faith, that's something that that motivates you on a daily basis. Tell us a little bit more about why you're so passionate about this and and kind of how that got birthed. Yeah. So the reason I'm passionate about it is my sobriety date's April 24th, 1995. And when I walked into the rooms of AA back then, you know, I may get upset some folks by saying this, but it was just a little bit different than you know, everything changes and shapes. But culturally, it was exactly what I needed at that moment in time in my life was a a room full of guys that didn't look anything like me, but they had something that I wanted. Tons of differences, but they taught me to look at the similarities. And then the the thing that I heard at one of the first meetings that I ever went to, we call them an old timer because they'd been around for a while. So I guess now I'm an old timer, right? And so I walk in those rooms at 20 years old, right? And they told me that they would give me everything I was looking for and guide me. But I, the only way that that would work is that I had to give away what had been given to me every day. Because if I didn't, you couldn't keep it. Now, if you ask Dina and, and possibly my kids at times, that I probably take that a little too literal. Um, but I've stayed sober by doing it that way for over the last 26 years. So I made plenty of mistakes. You know, that, that's without a doubt. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to fall short daily without a doubt. But I have not sought through drugs and alcohol to solve any of my shortcomings or any of my character defects or any of the problems or struggles or obstacles that I found in life. And that's because of the, the wisdom that I gained from those that had went before me in the, in the rooms there, and as well as how I took those, those 12 steps. And I don't separate Christ from it, right? So uh, those 12 steps, I believe, and, and wholeheartedly, they were breathed 
and inspired for the men that wrote it by Christ for those that are suffering to stay closely aligned. And I challenge anybody in a recovery or not, we all have something we can recover from. But if you just li- if we all just lived our lives according to those 12 steps, man, this world would be awesome, right? Because if you can wrangle, wrangle up a bunch of drunks and addicts and get them to live a life, I mean, we live some messy stuff. So if we can live a life that's honoring to God and service to others, I can only imagine what everyone else, how, what impact that would look like. So that, I mean, that's, that's why it started at a core. I never set out to start a ministry. Never. You know, I got a whole long list. I'm too busy. I'm too successful. I got this. I've got that going. And I just don't have, I don't have time for that type deal. Right. And so for years I served on boards and helped others start organizations and did all those things. But there was this little um, recession kind of market slowdown. You know, some of us may remember around 2008, um, 2009. And so it provided an opportunity, you know, God provided an opportunity for me to take a step back from all the business and all the struggle. And so, okay, hey, who are we and what do we want to be known for? Um, what, what kind of legacy do I truly want to leave? What, what, how do I want to fill my days? And so we had an empty house and I had time. And so rather than giving more and supporting more, because it was a time, I'm being honest, I couldn't write checks. I couldn't write a check to my favorite nonprofit that I'd been giving to and serving with. So all I had was an empty house and a desire and willingness to serve. And so to make a long story longer or shorter, whichever way you want to do it here, you know, we just said, okay, hey, we have a house. So let's start, let's start letting guys know that I was already in community, I was already in the community serving. So it wasn't like, you know, a lot of people come in, they get sober and they've been sober for a little while. And, hey, we're going to start serving. That's great. You got to do it. But I've been in, at this point in time, I've been in that community for nearly 20 years, 18 years or so, sober and invested in the recovery community. So when I said, hey, we have a house, I didn't realize that it'd fill up in about two weeks, right? So now it fills up. So, hey, we have another house. It was empty. So we filled it up. And before you know it, you know, you have an organization and you had no desire to build an organization. You know, you fast forward to today and we, that organization is formed as a church, right? To provide shelter for those that are seeking to seek refuge with us in a Christ-centered environment, providing community and accountability. But you don't have to have the relationship that I have with God. You don't have to believe in the same God I believe in. You know, is that you have to you have to come to a point in time where you believe that there's a God greater than yourself that can restore you to serenity. It's just to say, hey, I'm not God. There is a God. And if you can convince all your brothers that you're living with, you can come into vision wars. And what we're hope and what we're 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 not a conversion ministry. We're truly a restoration just to serve, you know, to those that are around us that are in need. Providing food and shelter and encouragement, support and love, and uh, man, I couldn't be more proud of the guys that uh, that we have. I think we got forty five or forty six guys a day living with us. Wow. All but the last couple, one or two, that just come through employed, right? Contributing members of society, rebuilding their lives so they can be a better disciple, a better father, a better husband, a better friend, a better neighbor. And uh, we don't do anything. Yeah. Don't do anything too fancy. It's just simple, straightforward. Two books. What I heard you say is, you know, God had kind of placed something on your heart. You know, he had had given you a passion to see people set free from addiction and and alcoholism. And he was kind of tugging at it a little bit. And and then, you, well, yeah, that's good. Uh, that, That sounds good. But I'm too busy. So God slowed you down 
in order to get more attention. And then you already had the heart to serve. You already had the wherewithal to, to do some of these things. But now it's like, hey, now you've got that time that you said you didn't have before. So what are you going to do with it? And then you use what you already had in your hand. And then you just started sewing into that. And, and as you did, it's grown from there. And so it, it started from relationship. It started with uh, not trying to reinvent the wheel, but just using what you had. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the parable of the minas. You know, you, you had something, you went out and you wanted to grow that and uh, be productive with that versus just sitting on it. You could, you know, in, in that season, you still could have said, hey, this is a, a resource that I could use to, to make some cash. I could sell this property in order to generate some cash flow, but it, it wouldn't have been the best time in that market. It's just exciting to see you stepped into something that, you know, really wasn't an ideal time from a financial standpoint, but you said, I know that this is something that I need to do and I'm just going to serve and see what it looks like. And now something incredible has been birthed out of it because you said yes. So tell us a little bit more as you got started, people started coming in. How did you develop curriculum and how did you, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to get people to start going. I'm not too smart. I'm not smart enough for curriculum, Matt. So there's two, there's two, there's, we're straightforward and simple, right? There's two books that we reference, right? The Bible. Pretty good book. And a big book of AA. And if you look at the promises of AA and you look at the fruits of the spirit, it's just saying, hey, here, use these promises will lead you to the fruits of the spirit. I mean, you had to come to a point where you realize that I'm not God, that there is a God. Right. But then it's that the the that he can that you got to believe it's one thing to believe in God, it's another thing to believe that he can restore you to sanity or the things that used to baffle me and control me, right? That he can restore that and give me sanity. Like there's a belief in God and there's a belief in you know a cleansing, completely two totally. And that's where you see that that battle. We haven't created anything. I mean, we think about it. If um if your kids moved into a vision warehouse. I wouldn't need to go over the rules with them because it's the same way that you're parenting your children. We have, we don't have a long list of rules. We have really just a couple is one is you can't be court ordered. So a judge can't tell you that you have to be somewhere. You have to desire it yourself. You have to convince your brothers that you move in, that you want to live there, that you have something to contribute and you have something that you're going to be able to take away. Second is you can't be a registered sex offender and you can't have any violent crimes. Not because we're better than you or that. It's just we want to remain anonymous, quiet, and we're not clinical. And we just we're, we're very clear on who we are and what we do. Another is that you you have to pass a drug and alcohol test to stay, much less get in. So you got to be clean to enter and you must be clean to stay. That's our rules. So anything outside of that is a discipline that's rooted in the truth that was given to me or is a truth that we found in the word and or in the principles and traditions of a 12 step program. So when any of them can be changed at any point in time, like right now, you can have 24 coat hangers, six pairs of shoes, two plastic totes, and a nightstand. Now, if they think that 30 coat hangers is going to be beneficial for everybody's recovery, like everybody's going to grow closer to God and have a better, healthier recovery program, then what they can do is they can stop any of our Thursday night services and say, I have a proposal for a change in a discipline. And they can pitch it to everybody in attendance, all of our members that are currently living with us, or been with us previously, they're in attendance. And if everybody votes, 30 co-hangers is the way to go. And it's 100%. Then we now have a new discipline 
You can now have 30 co-hangers. Congratulations. But if one person says no, the person that proposed the change needs to go get up from the chair, go grab their bag, pack up their stuff, and leave because their personal comfort was more important than their brothers around them. And so that way it's, it's owned and managed the culture and the love. It's their home. It's not a program. It's not a place they're just living. It is home to those that are there. And so like tonight's my favorite, the first Thursday of every month is our new member induction. So all the guys that have moved in over the last month, they passed all the requirements that we have as staff, all those boxes you must check and you do all these things. But the first Thursday of every month is when those members petition for membership, stand in the center of the circle before all their brothers and say, hey, this is who I am. This is how long I've been here. This is why I want to be here. Here's what I can add. Here's what I'm looking to take away. And then they can be asked any question. And the, hey, I don't want to answer that is not acceptable. That's a pack your bag and leave. Um, One brother doesn't think that you're earnest about wanting to be there. He has to voice his concern openly in front of everybody, not send an email, a text, or behind a closed door. We're transparent. Here's what I see in you, Matt. This is why I don't think that you're a good fit. Explain to me what this is all about. If they can resolve it right there, that's great. If not, you've got a week, one week to resolve anything that a member does not see value in. If they can't come to terms, the bed needs to be empty. The stuff needs to be packed before next Thursday. That way, everybody is responsible for what, what they're, they're controlling. They, uh, they own it. It's theirs. I'm just a vote in that. Like tonight's vote, I'm just a vote. I'm not the vote. The rest of our staff is just a vote, not the vote. And when you give men or a person that if they believe in something, they find value in something, then they're willing to protect that of what they believe. And so my biggest, my biggest job, I think, um, is really helping monitor and develop and shape culture because their beliefs and what they're trying to protect can be swayed, right? Especially after COVID. And it's been when you shut everybody down and all our outside meetings and church, all these, all their outside interaction has been cut off and you get this internal, it was really hard to, to reshape. So, but culture is, is the top of our, our list that it, it needs to be you know, faith-centered in, in helping folks align and grow towards Christ. But at the same point in time, it can't be full of all kinds of grace. Christ is going to give us plenty of grace. We're going to hold a pretty stern, straight line, like your bed's going to be made. And if not, my 13-year-old son, Colton, you know, walks through and gives out Buford Awards. Me and Buford's a donkey here in town. So me and Buford got a picture of ourselves together. And then we go through and it's like, hey, your bed's not made. I mean, your, your sheets are up. But you didn't really put effort in it. You just pulled it up. And we don't want your bed to be messy. This is the simplest thing you do first thing in the morning. Make your bed, get on your knees, right? And start your and start your day. So that answered your question, but that's it's definitely yeah. There's no no program. And that's I'm always anytime someone says, Tell me about your program, and I say, Oh, we don't have a program. Well, then they assume that we're it goes right back to a flop house, three-quarter house, halfway house type kind of mentality that a lot of times it's just, you know, hey, someone needs an address. They're halfway between prison and death, and they need an address to navigate from whichever direction they're heading. And we're so far from that. But there's great curriculum and a, and a step and a process, a program in place with 12 steps that aligns you right back with biblical truth and God's word. I don't need to create anything. Right? There's the, well, I'm not that smart. And nor if I try to create something, I'm going to say that's what I'm relying on. No, I'm relying on those two dot those those two pieces of proven 
information and my job is to get in them as deep as I can. That's good. So from that standpoint, dealing with addiction, dealing with alcoholism, deal, I mean, dealing with 40 some odd men in one place, it's probably uh, less drama than 40 some odd women. No offense to any of the ladies listening, but, uh, but there's still, there, there's a messiness. There is a, there, you know, people going through those situations. And I just, I know from dealing with the homeless, my folks may be a little bit different because they're not necessarily at the point where they're ready to make that change. But, you know, what does that look like? I mean, obviously they get voted off of the island, uh, you know, if they don't hold up their end of the bargain. But what does that look like in the in-between? Sometimes there's got to be disagreements. There's got to be, you know, people that relapse, people that struggle, things of that nature. How, how does that work? And what does yeah, that look so, like? So the, the thing is, is that, and, and this is a missing. I, I won't say a misnomer. Um, it's misinformation. A lot of people believe that relapse is a part of recovery. Relapse is not a part of recovery. It happens. You're not a bad person if it happens, but it's failure. It's failure to maintain the lane and the path, right? Relapse is a part of active addiction because if you relapse, you're in active addiction. If you're in recovery, you're sober. So I entered the recovery scene April 24th, 1995. And I have maintained 100% sobriety since April 24th, 1995. To me, that's a distinct difference. And in life, you know, there's more to life than a sobriety date, right? I mean, it's you got to move past. You got to move past a sobriety date. Now, what are you going to do with life? Because now I wake up the same way as you did today. What are we going to do today? Who are we going to serve? How can I be of service to others? How can I take care of the obligations I have, all while honoring God? Now. I get a lot of criticism from some individuals, mainly my wife, that I don't help everybody that that is around me that needs help. And basically what it is, is I don't have time to deal with someone that wants to lose. I just, I don't, because there's plenty of guys around me and that are in need that just, they don't need a handout, right? They just need someone to intersect with them in the messiness right where they are in life and say, hey man, they're, you're hopeless, but there's hope. It's going to be, it's really simple, straightforward, but that don't make it easy. This is not an easy journey, but it's simple. Surrender to God, clean house, work with others, right? You do those three things today. I won't say the other one because the show we're on, but don't drink, right? Don't drink and don't be a doofus. I'll let you figure out what would other be if I'm talking to a guy. And it's like, look, if, if you're just looking in the mirror and you just hate yourself and you can't, you can't even love the person you're looking in the mirror. If I start trying to share the gospel with you, Man, it's just like, yeah, they, they just, they want to, they want to knock out the person they see in the mirror. They're so they're full of guilt, shame, remorse. I know it because I was there. I start trying to get, take them to this level and they're, you can't even see where they are. It just doesn't work. So it's just, man, don't drink. Don't be a doofus. You do that. You honor God today. Like you, you, you do that today. You honor him. We're once we're moving closer to what God's plan and vision is for your life. And, and you talking about the messiness. I try daily to find the joy in the successes because if I focus on the um, if I focus on the negatives, I quit because the pain and the destruction and the death is not what any of us set up to do. That's why everybody on outside is like, man, this is wonderful. I'm gonna go serve this way. And I've served this way for 26 plus years, and it, it there's it's not fun. Right. I don't I didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be an addict and alcoholic so I can go help people. Man, I didn't do that. Right? I don't know what I dreamed of as a kid, but it wasn't surely as hell as not being an addict or an alcoholic. And then to come in and answer a call to go serve people just like me where I was daily 
wake up in the middle of the night thinking about what's going on over there or waking up this morning, the first phone call to the lassies. And as I hate when the phone rings, hate it because you never know the phone call you're going to get. You just don't. And so I cherish the good and I cherish the success because there's those of us that that are far enough away from the traditional church bell that when the church bell is ringing, man, you, you can't hear it because you're you're in the, the the yard of hell, so to speak. Right. I mean, you're, you're in it and you, you you're, it is being silenced and drowned out by all of the pain and misery and ugliness and destruction that we choose as addicts and alcoholics. We're 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 creating it. But then all those consequences that come from our actions and our use. And it's if you don't stay spiritually fit and with good accountability around, you either burn out and quit or go back to it because it's un, it's unbearable at times. But man, we just hang on to the joy of that. You know, it's like it's, you know, you got to baptize somebody in a duck pond on Sunday morning, right? Saw that. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it's there, right? I've got guys that are graduating, getting GEDs. We've got graduated drug court last year, two years commitment. Two of our guys graduated drug court, right? Uh, you come in through there. We have men that are walking their daughters down the aisle to get married. You know, we've got one of our men this week is battling decision of when he's going to pull the plug or not pull the plug, but not put back his mother back on life support or to put her on life support or not put her on life support. It's ripping him apart. But I told him, I said, man, you got to think of a positive. You are stead, steady and sober there for her at her time of her greatest need. At the end of her life here on earth, you're there to honor her and are able to make that decision and you're right where you need to be. When you look at all those things, it outweighs all the negatives because we're not 100%. Anybody tells you 100%, it ain't true, right? But we, we, I can guarantee you one thing, I've never met in 26 years, right? If I go out and I drink or drug tomorrow, it's because I quit doing the things that I needed to do today, the things that I've been taught, and I have separated myself from Christ. I've separated myself from my community in my accountability. And I've went back to what I'm most comfortable in. I've never met someone that has relapsed and started back using this working and honest program. This just staying steady in it. I mean, it just, it's impossible to do. I mean, we, we do it. We re relapse stone cold sober. So you're going to tell you, I want to make this most stupid, ignorant decision that I know is going to lead me down a path to where I've come. Like I know how bad it is. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm going to make that decision stone cold sober. I'm going to pick up that drink or that drug to fix this problem. That is insanity. That is the definition of insanity. Stay tuned. We'll have more living life on purpose after we hear from one of our sponsors. Are you a business person that's hungry for more of the Holy Spirit at work? Partnering with God is what you were designed for. Experiencing God at work and being a blessing to the city that you live in is accessible to every believer. Hearing from God for your business and city shouldn't feel mysterious or inaccessible. Heaven and Business exists to give you access to the tools and training you need to equip you to grow with God in business and influence. Begin with our free trial and an online membership, then explore the events, community, and other resources. Check out heavenandbusiness.com today if this is what you're looking for, and I promise you won't be disappointed. And now, back to Living Life on Purpose with your host, Matt Wilson. The awesome thing that people need to hear is is there is hope, there is grace, there is love for anybody. You know, if God did it for the two of us, 
than he could do it for anybody else. And, and that is the amazing thing that you are bringing these people in that are in desperate situations and seeing life change and knowing that, that it's not just a one-off situation. It's a multiplication situation that you're seeing this over and over and over. That's extremely positive. And, you know, at the end of the day, the world is constantly telling people that, you know, drugs and alcohol are the answer. That, that, that's what they get bombarded with daily. Their friends are running around. I've had three guys this week that have come to me varying ages from, you know, mid twenties to mid fifties, Matt, I need to change the people that I'm hanging out with because they're making bad decisions. What do I need to do? Like, well, cut them off. You, you've got to start hanging out with different people if you want to get different results. Like you just talked about definition of insanity. You keep hanging with the same circle. You're going to keep going in circles. But if you start hanging out with a crowd that builds you up, that encourages you, that holds you accountable, you're going to start to see different results. And, and that's what you guys have created there. It's, it's a culture of accountability that allows people to move forward when they're ready to move forward. If they're not ready to move forward, you're not going to let them bring down the rest of the group. You either come in to build everybody up or you find somewhere else to go. And I think that that's, that's awesome. People don't like accountability these days. And that's why the culture looks the way the culture looks. You know, yeah. God not only wants accountability, he demands it. And yeah. so when you are following the greatest book that's ever been written, it's all yeah. in there. So yeah. it's, it doesn't surprise me that you're getting the results by following the word of God and then a 12-step program that has been proven successful over and over and over. Yeah, it's just, it's, to me, it's a God of, so, I mean, you look at it from that standpoint, it's written in the thirties, right? 38, 39 published coming out of Oxford group. You've got all this influence, the first hundred, their notes going back and forth. The, the, the God of my understanding. I mean, let's, let's just think if on April 24th, 1995, I had an understanding of God of X, any relationship, anything, any belief right? It's going to either change or erode away. So I choose to change. So God of my understanding has grown daily and continues to grow daily because of my pursuit for that, right? So I always tell guys, it's like, look, you don't have to love Jesus when you walk through his door. You don't have to believe in him. Just believe that you're not God and there's a God, right? Perfect. Okay. You can check that box. Well, I don't believe in you. You don't have to believe in my God. Just you're not God, right? No. So there is a God? Well, probably. Okay, perfect. Check. You did. Then if, if a week a year, a month, 10 years, whatever, if their belief of God is the same as it was the day that they walked in our door the first time, then I'm probably going to say their recovery program, the health and well-being of their life hasn't grown anymore either, right? They're going to run in conjunction. And you don't have to believe in my God, but you should be able to clearly articulate who your God is and what he's doing for you and what practices and disciplines you have to connect with that to direct you on your life, right? Otherwise, it's you back driving a boat. And me driving the boat, I'm going to run it slap up on the shore and then come to you, Matt, and say, man, why didn't you dig the channel deeper? Because the water should have been over. It's your fault, not my fault. Like you, you moved the water, right? And it's like, no, you drove it ashore purposely, but it's somebody else's fault. And so it's, um, there's hope, man. I mean, I, when you get to see someone's eyes opened to the reality that there is a heavenly father that loves them, a heavenly father that does, does not hold any of their past against them, just doesn't want something from them, wants something for them. Like he just wants you to turn your back the opposite direction. Now, I don't know if you saw this weekend, um, but we were coming out of a cave. We did that retreat over there this weekend. We were coming out of the cave, right? 
and Chris was in front of me. And I was like, man, you got to stop for one second. Let me click a picture. And his back was just dark because we were leaving the cave. But the light you could see shining. And I was just starting to come down around him. And it's like, man, you just, the Holy Spirit never leaves us. I turned my back on him. He did not turn his back on me. If he did it for me, and he does it, and I see it come alive in thousands of men over the last 26 years, where it just clicks like, oh man, he doesn't hate me. He's not mad at me. He wants something from, you know, for me, not from me. It's like, it's just, there's nothing better, man. And it's, and some people have it like, you know, praise, praise God for people that just have a, you know, a, you know, it's an experience right then, you know, supernatural in this movie is just the obsession. The drink is removed from them, you know, and they think, well, I don't need to go back, man. We need you to come back. We need you to come back in the rooms of AA. We need you to come back in recovery. We need you to walk alongside folks so that they can get what you got. Right. And for the person that's struggling, it feels like there's just no hope, man. There's so much hope in this world. You can take hopelessness to hope because there's people in this world that care for you and want you to experience all that God has for you. And it's the guilt, shame, and remorse that we feel at times that keeps us from that. It's just, it's all a lie. None of that is from my heavenly father or yours, right? It is all a lie to keep us in the bondage of self and self-pity and shame and guilt and remorse. Well, just like we need to recognize that there is a loving heavenly father, we need to recognize that there is an enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so it is a very spiritual battle that most of these people, if not everybody, is facing. You know, one is trying to encourage you, tell you that he loves you, that he that he is waiting right there for you to turn around. And then the other saying, hey, come over here. I've got something that's fun. I've got something that's enticing. I've got something that's going to make you feel good. And it makes you feel good for a brief moment in time until you wake up the next day, until you realize, like, oh my gosh, like I made bad decisions. I don't even know what I did. And then you've got to turn around and you've got to deal with all the consequences of those bad decisions because he's constantly trying to lure people in to a lie. And when you fall for the lie, there are consequences for that lie. God is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the father except through him. He is the only truth that exists in this world. And, and, yep. and people are constantly, oh, my truth. No, your truth, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, is not the truth. It's yep. a lie. It's distorted version of who you're supposed to be. So I think that's, and that's uh, Yeah, it's really good. So, you know, it's interesting that we you can imagine we see a lot of folks that um, that come to us that have a, that are carrying either uh, belief, hey, I've, I've been restored. They, they come to us because we are faith-based. They come to us and say, hey, I, they think that we're not going to do any 12 steps. We're just going to all just preach Jesus and sit in a circle and, and that's it, right? And then you got the guys on the other side that, hey, that's all right. You're a church, but y'all aren't going to make me do anything. So I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do these things. No, we're, we're as a church body here to, to love you, support you, and encourage you where you are. We're, we're the hands and feet of Christ. We're not, you know, we're not making you ad- adapt to this one particular thing. You know, so it's, you get these two sides. And what's interesting, and it breaks down at the end of the day, if for me, and I heard I heard this sermon maybe 10 or so years ago, and I think it was at North Point Church. I think Andy is one that preached a sermon. But he said that the problem often with Christian faith is that an adult takes a childlike faith into adult situations, and it fails every time. Because, see, we, we are exposed to Christ. If we don't develop that relationship, if we don't go out and develop it and study it and grow it, 
than the same relationship that told us there was a fat dude with a white beard that flew around on a sleigh and slid down our chimney. Even if you didn't have a chimney, he slid down the chimney, gave you his presents. And then a tooth fairy comes and the Easter, but all these things that we're told by that same person in that same period and point of our time of our life, those were all a lie. Then man, and I keep taking this God that I developed as a child, this belief I developed as a child, but never really studied the word and grew spiritually. Man, this is a lie. It fails every time. And so it's like that belief is like, what do you truly believe? Where is your belief rooted in truth or in what you were told? or what you saw someone that was a Christian do or a church do. But what have you, you know, sought, sought through prayer and meditation and study? What do you believe? And um, to see someone freed from that bondage is two examples this weekend. One is one guy, he'll tell you that he was voluntold to go. He's like, Kirk said I needed to go. And, and what it was, though, is I might well make him go. But he has an unbelievable rooted faith. He can preach the gospel. He can quote it, do it. And man, the guy is solid. And I need, we need Christian warriors inside of 12-step programs that can take their belief and align it with these tools so that we can build other warriors who go out and do the same thing. Because it's specific to where that person is. And he didn't want to come because he didn't want to hear nothing about 12 steps. And I'll send you, when we get off, I'll send you the video from him. He's so grateful. He's like, man, I just... You don't, you don't have to believe all of it. You don't have to do all of it. But what can you take away and put this in? He's like, man, that's unbelievable. I'm like, yeah, dude. It's like it's honoring to God. It's not taken away from your heavenly father. And, and so that was a, a beautiful thing that you saw happen, where his eyes were open, been sober. He's working great, brother. He's going to church. He's going to Bible studies. He's meeting up one-on-one. He's doing all those things where there's this other part of this fellowship. And I'm like, man, think about the A rooms and other 12-step rooms as a fellowship where you can go gather the lost where you go share your truth and others are going to be drawn to you for the information that you have. And it's no better place to disciple to those that are lost because our brokenness is there and we're looking for and asking for help. Right. And the second on the negative side, but we're able to have a positive solution is on Monday morning, we get there Friday. So our, our group of guys were there with us Friday all the way through Monday. Well, three guys left on Sunday. Right. And so we had extra chairs inside cabin that generally sit on my front porch. So we removed those three chairs because they were no longer needed at the table. And we put them out on the front porch. Now, we removed the chairs. There was no reason to move the chairs other than we didn't need them anymore. Well, there's one gentleman, and I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to keep anonymity here, but there was one gentleman whose chair was moved. And so when he walked up to the table, we didn't scoop the chairs back in. It was just extra chairs. So there was a blank space where that chair was. When he walked up to the table, the lies rolled in his head. Man, someone sitting at this table doesn't want me here anymore. Someone at this table wants me to move. They don't want me at this end of the table. All those lies of a childhood, you're not good enough, you're dumb, you're not wanted, you're not, all those abandonment and all those things that some of them may, may be real as a child and others have developed that subconscious over time. Here's a band of brothers that he's been with since Friday night that he knows loves him, wants the best from him, has shared their heart and soul with one another. But when he walks up on Monday morning for breakfast, the chair is gone and he automatically, I'm not wanted. And he leaves and goes out the door and starts walking down the sidewalk, drinking his coffee and, you know, and walking. And I, I sit down, I look around, I'm like, man, where is he? Look out the window, I see him out there, I holler at him, I get him to come back inside. And he tried to, to say it was several other things to where I finally, about 30 minutes later, get down to the root cause of that's the way that he felt. And here's why. And I'm like, man, that is a lie. So even amidst, 
of where we are, isolation, intentional effort to dig in, you're going to be attacked. The lies and deception are there waiting to derail. And I'm grateful that I had the discernment given, because it's not me. It was a discernment given to me by God there at that moment, without a doubt, to say, hey, where is he? What's going on in his head? And let's get him back in the center here with us and find out what's going on. It's as simple as a chair was not there. No one said anything. And that's in the midst of that intentional journey, still being attacked. And someone doesn't believe there's a, a, there's a, a, a thing out here. If, if, if God's grace and love is so great, the only way that we can recognize and know that that's so great is because there's something is the evil on the other side, mm-hmm. right? And it's, we're either moving closer towards God or away from him. The sitting still and just pedaling to stay afloat, man, it's your, your that's, that's not, that's, that's going away, away, away from him. And uh, I know I'm attacked in lots of different ways. Um, and I fall short daily, man. It's it, it, without a doubt, but that's why I know I need my heavenly father and I need the community of men around me to keep me accountable for all my crap that I do that I shouldn't be doing and the thinking I shouldn't have and the looking that I should, all those things, right? I'm not perfect. I'm just not a drunk today or an alcoholic and addict today. I still got my mess. That's why I need Jesus. Yeah. So good. Well, I've really enjoyed this. I love your heart. I love your passion for seeing men set free. Uh, how can people learn more about you or Vision Warriors? Uh, easy way you can find me on, you can find us on Facebook and I can get you that link over. Um, easiest way to find us online is War On, and that's just W A R O N. Waron.org. So www.waron.org, and you'll find out Vision Warriors. If you have church, faith, community, uh, that we can come in and help support you. If you have a need, you know someone that's in need, we're here to serve and help. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you, man. Awesome. Well, I've definitely enjoyed it. And, and if you've enjoyed this, then we hope that you will share it and let others be encouraged on Facebook. Uh, follow us, Living Life on Purpose on Facebook, and then Living Life on Purpose always on Instagram. And we hope that you've enjoyed it and we will look forward to catching you again in two weeks.